Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello and welcome to the Overdue Podcast, Episode 22. I'm Kelly, and today I'm joined by my fellow librarians, Dana. Hi there. Mark. Hello. And Autumn. Hi. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the origins of Earth Day, ways to celebrate, and events around Madison. We'll have a pre-recorded interview with students who went on the alternative spring break service trips. On our main segment, we're going to talk about the final season of Game of Thrones, and that is set to premiere this week, and we'll have trivia with Mark testing our Game of Thrones knowledge. Uh, Lastly, we'll have our Anything Goes recommendations. All right, Mark, why don't you start us off with Earth Day? Okay, Earth Day is coming up uh, April 22nd. It's April 22nd uh, each year. Uh, This year it's the 49th Earth Day. Over the next year, apparently there's going to be a lot of big events going into the 50th anniversary of it. Great. Um, Earth Day, according to earthday.org, which is a wonderful site if anybody wants to take a look to find out more about it, was created back in 1970. And the idea for a national day, we can thank actually somebody from Wisconsin for it. Uh, Gaylord Nelson, uh, who is a U.S. senator from Wisconsin, uh, came up with the idea of making a formal day for it. And uh, the reason for this, he witnessed witnessed the ravages of the 1969 oil spill in Santa Barbara, and it really made an impression on him. And he was noticing a lot of public consciousness about different issues at the time, and he thought that the environment uh, should be part of that. And so he got approval from um, other people for an Earth Day At the time, in 1970, there was actually a rare political alignment. Uh, Both Democrats and Republicans (laughs) thought Earth Day was a good idea. There were, since then, um, like many other things, it has become politicized a little bit. But it started out um, with good intentions from a lot of different people. Earth Day, uh, because of its success, is um, mentioned as a key contributor to the Environmental Protection Act getting passed. And there's a lot more information about the history of Earth Day that, again, if you went to earthday.org, you can read about. And I just want to mention that um, in the Madison College Libraries, we have some really terrific books about Earth Day and Gaylord Nelson. Two of them at Truax uh, Beyond Earth Day, uh, where Gaylord Nelson is actually one of the uh, co-authors. A biography about uh, Gaylord Nelson called The Man from Clear Lake, Earth Day founder, uh, Senator Gaylord Nelson. And at our Fort Atkinson campus, we have a book, uh, a pretty new book, titled The Genius of Earth Day. And there's some events happening around Madison. And the first one, uh, Monday, April 22nd, is the Nelson Institute 2019 Earth Day Conference. And this year's um, 
theme is Imagine and Adapt, Possibilities in a Changing World. And that is at the Monona Terrace Community and Conference Center from 7.38 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the keynote speaker this year is Kim Stanley Robinson. Very no cool. way. Yeah. <laughs> I know, who we've talked about on the podcast before. Cool. So, yeah, that would be cool. And the general admission is $75, which is kind of pricey. But if you are a student, you can get in for $15 without a lunch. Um, be sure and bring your school ID. Um, if you have $25 to splurge, you get a lunch. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and Dana, you have an event. Okay, also Tuesday, April 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m., there is an Earth Day Trivia Night brought to you by the Nelson Institute Undergraduate Ambassadors. The fun begins at 7 o'clock, and there are prizes, so come and show off your Earth Smarts at the Durath Skeller at 800 Langdon Street at the Memorial Union. Um, Pre-registration is recommended but not required. And then I'll also mention um, another event that we found out about is on Sunday, the 28th of April, um, the Arboretum is going to host a family nature program, and that's obviously uh, here in Madison. This year, it seems like a lot of celebrations are focusing on protecting endangered species. You can come and learn about the Arboretum's efforts to conserve plants, animals, and their habitat. Um, so it looks like there's going to be a walk from 1.30 to 2.30. Uh, indoor activities after that from 2.30 to 3.30. And it's really designed for families with children ages 3 to 11. It looks like a really nice program, and it's actually free, and you don't have to register. You just meet at the visitor center, which I believe is best access kind of from the west side of the Arboretum, if oh, I remember okay. correctly. All right. Um, so other than that, does anybody have any kind of plans of things that you'd like to do around Earth Day? Well, we are going to, li- we live near Starkwater Creek, and so we are going to um, pick up trash, which isn't that exciting, but it does feel good, and hopefully it'll be a nice sunny day, unlike yeah. today. <laughs> and it's needed, you know, yeah. anytime. That's really good community service to kind of do. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, have a little bit of a Earth Day tradition, I guess. This will be my third year in a row of reading the same book for Earth Day. It's called The Zero Waste Home by Bea Johnson. Um, And this family uh, literally lives with no garbage. And um, it's very inspiring to find ways to get reusable items into your life and remove those single-use plastics. Um, And one of her adages that she um, talks about in the book, the way the book is kind of organized, instead of the reduce, reuse, recycle, she's added two more. And one of the first one is refuse, um, just to Mm -hmm. refuse the plastic bags and refuse the straws. Um, And also rot. She incorporates compost. And she lives in an urban area, so she's... Found, uh, talks about ways to incorporate compost in different settings. So, um, The Zero Waste Home by B. Johnson. You can get it at our Madison College Libraries. All right. I, I really like adding it to ours. We should start a movement right. to get them officially added. I really like that, and that's actually one of my goals for the year was to kind of work on that area of my life. I mean, you know, a lot of us were really good about things like recycling, using reusable shopping bags, maybe not taking as much plastic stuff home. 
but when you just consider how much you even recycle in your home Mm -hmm. and if you've done any kind of research on how much of a problem recycling really is because we have nowhere to put it right um it kind of opens your eyes to well maybe i don't need to have bottled water and maybe i don't need to have cans of things and right what are ways that i can buy groceries with less waste mm-hmm. so yeah. so yeah, yeah I, lo- I love that idea and i feel good about sitting here with my bottled water right now so <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to mention also is um, about this time last year, I live not far from the Rock River, which um, is near Fort Atkinson. Um, I started to notice these amazing birds come into the area that I was pretty shocked to see because all of a sudden you saw something that looked like an ocean-style pelican. And so um, actually right now they are back again. It's the American white pelican that does actually nest in the area all the way up to, I think, the Green Bay area. Um, So they are around. They're a little elusive. And also we have kind of some flooding situations along the Rock River right now. So um, my goal is to kind of try to find a good spot to check them out and actually take a couple pictures of them this year. Um, but if you have the chance to try to see them, they are huge and very cool okay. to see in Wisconsin. All right. And awesome. where about? I mean, you can see them um, Jefferson, Fort Atkinson. I guess they're in Horicon Marsh. Okay. So all along the area. And they nest along the Mississippi River, too, okay. is something that I'm learning. Wow. Are they about as big as a, a sandhill crane or... You know, I have some factoids here. <laughs> okay. They are large birds. They weigh about 16 pounds, and they have a 9-foot wingspan, which oh, is wow. what really catches your eye. <laughs> sure. And they have this orange bill, okay. like a pelican that you would assume you'd see, you know, on the coast. So they're very cool. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, now we'll take a break and listen to some student stories about their experiences on the alternative spring break service trips. On our last podcast, we spoke with Brianna Stapleton-Welch, a program advisor for the Volunteer Center and Services Learning and Student Life about the alternative spring break service trips available for students. With us today is Brittany Campbell, um, and to tell us about her trip. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you. All right. If you don't mind, Brittany, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a non-traditional student. I have a 12-year-old daughter who is very supportive. Oh, great. Um, I'm finishing my liberal arts degree and will be, I just petitioned yesterday for the Occupational Therapy Assistant oh, Program. okay. So, fingers crossed, that'll start in the fall. Great. Okay, so how long have you been going to Madison College? About three years now. So, how did you hear about the alternative spring break? I was in student life. Uh, and just heard someone talking about it and looked at the poster and started thinking about it. Ah, okay. <laughs> Why did you decide to participate? I mean, being a, you know, a student, or your full-time student, I'm, I'm gathering, yes. and, and a, a child, and so why did you decide to participate? <laughs> uh, I thought it would be a good life experience, mm-hmm. learning experience, and in my own way, representation of what, my daughter and her friends could do in their own future. Great. All right, so where did you go? To Perryville, Arkansas. Okay. Which uh, we went to the Heifer International Ranch. Okay. And we were housed with a a group of college women also 
was all women. Okay. Kind of by random chance, but worked out well. They had their rooms, we had our rooms, but we shared communal lounge space and we did all of our activities together and they were from the University of Texas Dallas. Oh, okay. So. Right, so you got to meet some new people. Yeah. Great. Um, and oh, were the accommodations comfortable? I mean... It was like an adult Girl Scout camp. Okay, great. Um, we were indoors. We had a full kitchen living room area and the rooms were bunk beds. Okay. So as comfortable as bunk beds always are. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's true. Great. All right. And um, what kind of work did you do at the at the Heifer Ranch? Yes. Okay. Um, cow. It was it was started with a cow. So okay. heifer. Um, the work varied. We had um, we painted a house one day. Okay. Uh, we worked in the gardens. I cleaned rabbit cages and okay. put new hay down, got new hay, fed goats, milked a goat, actually. Oh, great. Um, mark that off my bucket list. <laughs> okay. Did you have that kind of experience before this, or no. is this all new? Okay. I have some friends that have farms, so I have like touched the nose of a cow before, but okay. I've never actually right. been hands-on. Okay. So that's where I also thought this would be a lot of new things that I had never experienced. Right. Okay. And did you have any free time? We had more free time than I anticipated. Okay. However, the work was also dif not difficult, but Physically just, taxing. Yes. Yeah. When you're okay. not familiar. Sure. Um, we had to walk from point A to point B, and so just getting out there, being in the fresh air in the 60, 70 degree weather. <laughs> and uh, what was your favorite part um, of the experience? completing it oh, because I okay. am not all that physically active besides okay. getting from point A to point B and running around like a chicken with that's cut off. Okay. But, um, you know, I was not necessarily prepared for how extensive the work and the just getting there would be. And so it was just really a self exploration of just knowing that I can do it. Okay. And I didn't give so up. So you had a, a, a sense of accomplishment. Yes. Okay, great. Um, would you recommend the experience to others? Yes. Okay. Um, I think that it's something that everyone should, not necessarily only Heifer, because, I mean, it's a fantastic organization. Right, but, okay. you know, just getting out of your comfort zone and right. out of your bubble is something that I think everyone should do. Okay. Yeah, that, that's true. That's great. Um, thank you for taking the time to speak with us, and um, thank you for volunteering your time and helping others. Yes. And, uh, great. Good luck. Will you, are you going to do it again? If it fits into my schedule. Okay, great. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. I am speaking with student Diana Crane, and she's going to tell us about her experience with the Alternative Spring Break. If you don't mind, Diana, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm 58 years old and okay. I just decided to come back to school after not being into school or being in school for over 35 years. Good. That's very brave. <laughs> <laughs> brave but scary. Yeah, I, sure. I, I don't jump when someone says, oh, hand me the mouse anymore because it's when I went, it was word processors. So sure. it's quite different now. <laughs> All right. Well, good for you. 
Okay, so how long have you been a student at Madison College? Um, I started back um, last semester, so okay. this is my second semester okay. now. All right. And what programs, if any, are you enrolled in? Um, at the present time, I'm enrolled in the Addiction Studies program here. Okay. It's just a year-long program. Okay, great. And um, so tell us, how did you hear about the Alternative Spring Break? Well, what I love is all the promotional stuff that goes on in the hallways okay. and wherever you seem to be. Um, there was a poster okay. that... Um, the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned <laughs> way, yes. The poster caught my eye. All right. And what made you decide to do it? I just, I, I love doing volunteer work to okay. begin with. I worked in area projects like um, Hammer with a Heart and Habitat okay. for Humanity. And um, I was getting a little pale and wanted to get a little color to my skin. So when I heard we were going to Panama City, Florida, I just um, know how bad it had been down there right. and wanted to do my part. Yeah, so there's still, that hurricane was over a year ago? or No, it was approximately five months ago, but the, the sheer, utter devastation that okay. still exists is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Mm, all right, yeah, kind of get put off the uh, the headlines. It, it, it looks like a war zone. Serious. Oh it's it's terrible. All right. So you went to Panama City. Okay. Yes. So what kind of work did you do? Our group of people, what was kind of nice is really not everybody. I think it was a total of 10 and then our instructor. Nobody else really knew each other. Um, there, oh. there was the instructor and then um, one other student who, who knew each other, but other than that, none of us had ever uh, met each other before, so that was really kind of a wonderful part of sure. it. Our group, and, and there were literally probably more than a thousand people there, different okay. groups. Oh, all volunteers? Yes. Oh, wow. Um, okay. There was a place called Samaritan's Purse, and they kind of oversaw the volunteer um, jobs that were being done, I guess, FEMA um, got different requests from individual people, and FEMA had to disperse it to different oh, agencies. Okay. And so ours, you worked with FEMA down there? Um, well, not directly, okay. but FEMA gave the work orders to this agency. Sure. Um, our group ended up doing a lot of uh, landscaping work. Okay. And you had experience with that? I did pre previously, yes. Okay. I used to do some of that. I used to do landscaping oh, um, before, so I had some knowledge in that area. All right. And did you have any free time? We did. Um, we pretty much, though, got up at about six thirty, seven in the morning, and okay. we went off, and everybody met um, at a, a church that okay. was in Panama City, and then from there we were given our work orders. We had our crew, our head lead person, but then there were also um, head leaders that were actually um, had a, a big, huge, gigantic truck full of all kinds of equipment. So not a lot of free time, not a lot of... Um, okay, regarding free time? Yeah. Um, yeah, the free time. So we, we'd get done, though, somewhere, anywhere. Usually every day we got done about 3.30 oh, okay. to 5, sometimes, because we would go to a couple different places. Okay. But when we got back, we stayed at a place called The Ark, and The Ark was right across the street from the beach. Oh, nice. Okay. So many of us, after we got done, we would um, go down for a walk on the beach, or we would even go for a walk on the beach in the morning time. Right. And on Wednesday, we did have an opportunity um, to have some free time. Fun. And what was the weather like? <sighs> 
it 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 was real <laughs> iffy before okay. we went, and at first it almost looked like they were gonna be colder than we were oh, in Wisconsin dear. at the oh, time. Dear. Yeah. But once we got down there, it was absolutely beautiful the entire time and the best part was it wasn't too hot yet okay right so it can get very hot perfect working weather yes great perfect working weather did you have a favorite part of the the trip um or aspect hmm sounds like you really enjoyed meeting new people absolutely every day it was absolutely wonderful there were different people we seemed to have quite a few of um the people that we worked with anyway were elderly okay when we got to the homes and we met the people, yeah. and a lot of these are, are double-wide homes or trailer homes, sure. and they rolled those storms out. Yeah. And because originally I think it was forecasted to be a two, right? So there were no there were no evacu evacuation orders, right? And then it went to all. I think it was a four, almost right. a five. I think you're right. Yeah. And some of these homes, it just it was just remarkable that people lived through right. some of this. It was so bad. Yeah. But it, it was just so wonderful, um, and it kind of puts you in place perspective-wise regarding, you know, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong. And then when you meet people who've weathered something like that and are still, the ripple effect is right. is just enormous. That One of the hospitals, you know, 800 employees no longer working, and because they're no longer working, they've had to move to other places so therefore teachers are losing their jobs because now there's so the ripple effect that happens when catastrophes like this take place is it's just unbelievable (sighs) so would you recommend this to others the the spring break stuff absolutely (laughs) absolutely i mean i wish i would have known it like 35 years ago it was the going to panama city and and it wasn't cutting down trees no 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 you're right (laughs) All right, well, um, anything else you want to add? It is the most rewarding thing to do is to go and help someone that you have no clue who they are. And not only are you working with those people, but you're also meeting other people who are like-minded and wanting to do things and help other people. And I now have connections with people that I never would have known before, and I, I see that as them being part of my life. Oh, that's great. That really sounds like a wonderful experience. Yes, um, yes. But thank you for your time. We know you're busy. Um, and thank you for speaking with us at the Overdue Podcast. Uh, and thank you for volling, volunteering your time and helping others. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Truly it was my is, pleasure. Thank yeah. you for, you know, I really thank MATC for having opportunities like that. So it's just, it's wonderful. Thank you. Right. Okay. All right, welcome back. And now we are going to do a complete left turn here. (laughs) And Dana has a little announcement. Okay, so we are going to be discussing the Game of Thrones television series. And we will be discussing things that happened throughout seasons one through seven. If you're not caught up, you may want to skip this bit if you don't like spoilers. Um, So, you have been warned. All right. Unless you've been living under Casterly Rock for the last eight years, you are probably aware HBO's giant hit television show premieres this Sunday, April 14th at 8 p.m. This will be the eighth and final season. Game of Thrones is known for its high death count of much-beloved characters. Ned and Hodor still hurt for me. (laughs) Full disclosure, the library and the, the Student Achievement Center staff have a death so a lot is writing on the outcome of the show. So bragging rights are involved. 
Um, I thought it would be fun to uh, bring a question with you to ask everyone or a talking point or if you have a crazy prediction you'd like to throw out there or if you'd like to talk about something you're hoping to see or something that you're hoping not to see or are you, like me, just happy the show is ending and you can have all that headspace back? <laughs> so who wants to start? I can start. All right. um, so my favorite character is Arya because yeah. her journey from a little kid to this really amazing, I guess you could say amazing, assassin, <laughs> yes. very scary assassin, has been really interesting to watch unfold and definitely the highlight for me. I'm going to be watching to make sure nothing happens to Arya, and I'm going to be sad if something does. But my the question that's on my mind when I was kind of going over, you know, recaps of what the setup was for season eight is, is she going to be able to finish her list of these people she wants to kill? The first one she has to kill is Cersei, right? So yeah. Is that actually going to happen? I think or? that's all she has left on her list. She had the mountain. That's true. And then so, there was another one. And the Hound. And the Hound, yeah. But she didn't she drop him off? She dropped him off on season five at the beginning. Is she going to be able to actually complete that? Or is something, you know, because we're at war here. What's right. going to happen? So I I, I'm really interested yeah. in that. Yeah, me too. I mean, is it is it her story? to Is this her, you know, the way mm-hmm. she ends it? I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of people want to see number one on her list get knocked off, but I I guess I didn't um, consider that that would be the way that Cersei would go, but maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it is. (laughs) And maybe her and the Hound, uh, you know, become travel buddies again and head uh, down to King's Landing. The dynamic duo. (laughs) (laughs) Any thoughts, Mark? Well, just an observation, um, and again with uh, our staff, Library and uh, Student Achievement Center death pool. Yes. Um, most people, as I'm sure is the case with most viewers of Game of Thrones, think that Cersei is going to die. The show, they want to do spin-off shows from it, um, so you know they don't want to offend the viewers. But if they wanted to throw a real twist and mirror <laughs> current society that the people that you're cheering for don't always make it to the top and sit on the throne. Right, you're right. Uh, an interesting twist would to be to have Cersei <laughs> up there uh, making a deal perhaps with uh, the Night King and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking for all of Westeros. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and a, a Cersei-Night uh, King uh, alliance, huh? <laughs> They're both evil, so they have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does he like to drink wine? (laughs) They both have a crown. (laughs) That's true. Does he have a twin? (laughs) Right. All right. Um, I can go next. Okay. Um, So one of the things that I'm really hoping for with this season is to see more of Howland Reed. Um, More? We've never seen anything, right? Well, (laughs) I was just... flashbacks. Right. Mm. I was discussing this with some other folks who had seen the show, but it's been two years since it's aired. Yes. And I'm a book reader, so I'm a big fan of Howland Reed, and he's um, pretty heavy in my, my mind. But other show watchers, they're like, who? What? I know. Uh, he was only seen in one scene through in seasons one through seven, and that was in a flashback with Ned Stark that Bran saw with the Three-Eyed Raven. Right. And he was the man who stabbed Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning, in the back as he was single yeah. combating with Ned. Yeah, thus saving Ned's life. Thus saving Ned's life. Right. Way back, long ago. 
So that's who I'm hoping to see more of this season. Um, how about, does anyone else have somebody that they're hoping to see more of that they haven't really gotten a lot of screen time with? Well, I'm wondering, since everybody is a fan, uh, a fan of Aya, um, how many people are cheering for Aya to end up with uh, Gendry? Gendry. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just want to see him reappear because yeah. it was such a loose end that kind of went nowhere, too, this this boy, you know, and, and he was a great character as well. Well, he did come back in season seven. He went up north with the yeah a little bit yeah. There, yeah. Where it was like lots of memes about him going off in a boat, and right? <laughs> never <laughs> returning. Right. He did return. Yeah. He did finally return. Yeah, that would be a fun storyline. All right. Well, I guess I'm next, um, and I want to talk about Theon. <laughs> so while he's not my favorite character, um, for some reason I feel really emotionally attached to his story, and I think it's mainly to do with Alfie Allen. He's just been consistently amazing. Just uh, love him. Um, and Theon started out as a character that you, it was okay to hate. He was very smug, and he treated women poorly. Uh, but then that all changed. <laughs> And then so you just felt bad for him and you just, just can this guy get a break, you know? Also, Liam Cunningham, who plays Davos. I I know Kit Harington and Peter Dinklage um, are great. They have more screen time, but... And I hope, you know, Theon gets a satisfying ending. I um, I hope the writers don't get lazy and kill him off and, you know, don't Mm -hmm. complete his quest. Everyone loves a good redemption arc. (laughs) Right, right. So, um, but I have him making it to the end. What was Ramsey's uh, name for him? What did uh, Reek? Reek, yeah. yeah. Reek. Like you know, yeah. In, in, in a way, Theon has already redeemed himself a little bit already by you know find, getting back to being Theon. Right, he's um, Theon now. So yeah, yeah. that and, was some yeah. of the hardest stuff to watch in the it show was. Yeah. when really he was, was at the hands of. The evil one. Right. Yeah. Yes. I do not want to see the Clegane Bowl, and um, I don't want to spend any time with Grey Worm or Missandei in their relationship, and nor do I want to see a Brienne and Tormund hookup. <laughs> um, regardless, I think all these things are going to happen because I think the fans demand it. If you go online, this is what people want. I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, they're not the writers. <laughs> I, well, apparently that's um, they they have um, done the the bidding of the fans before in the yeah, show. That's true, but so we'll see. But still, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna definitely agree with the Tormund Brienne. Oh, don't want don't want to see it. Yeah, no, not interested. And I don't think that. Why does it have to be so cliched that there has to be some sort of a love story? I don't think right. that I want to see that for Arya either. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be fine if it happened, but it just not every story has to have all of these five different pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're fighting for the end of the world here, so. Yeah, they've got bigger <laughs> fish to fry. Right. All right. Any final thoughts? Looking forward to it. Yep, yeah. me too, definitely. Mm-hmm. Right, there, so there'll be six episodes. I've been told that the length is even longer, um, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see. All right. Yeah. All right, so now it's time for trivia, and we have a Game of Thrones theme. Yes, um, in honor of the discussion uh, we just had and uh, the final season of Game of Thrones about to start, 
the trivia for this week. There will be a main question for each of the seven seasons that we've had to this point. Then there will be a follow-up question uh, based on the main question for each season. Whichever of our panelists here get the most uh, correct will be sitting on the Iron Throne. The Iron Throne, okay. All right. Season one. In the very first episode of the series entitled Winter is Coming, we get a beheading within the first 15 minutes of the show. (laughs) What was the name of the sword used for that first beheading? I know. Ice. You are correct. And I told you that the follow-up <laughs> is directly related. Not, not, not really. Uh, it's it's related to, uh, in this case, uh, the episode. The follow-up question for season one. The first episode, as well as many more to come, was directed by the half-brother of the lead actor of the 1970s TV show, <laughs> Eight is Enough. Wow. Who was it? <laughs> wow. I do not know. It's very beyond my expertise. <laughs> Huh. Don't know. Uh, Timothy Van Patten. Oh, And Dick oh, Van okay. Patten, who was the uh, father figure really? in the show. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Gosh. Okay, season two. In the episode, The Ghost of Heron Hall. <laughs> in the episode, The Ghost of Heron Hall, uh, Jackin tells Aya he is returning the favor of saving his life by offering her three lives to take. Whom does Aya choose first? Oh, gosh. The tickler? Very good. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well done. Thank you. It's been speculated that the ghost referred to in the title of the episode could have multiple meanings and that Aya could be the reference based on the comparison she makes of herself to what roaming around Heron Hall. A A mouse. Right? Sure, I'm going to give it to you. Rats. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well I would done. just like to interject that I have no memory of this show. <laughs> I could have never watched it for these questions. Season three. In the episode, The Bear and the Maiden Fair, who helps Jamie Lannister rescue Brienne of Tarth from a bear in a pit by shooting the bear with a crossbow? Ooh. Gosh, is it one of the guys from Brotherhood Without Banners? Um, it, it is indeed a gentleman. It's a gentleman. Okay, <laughs> well, that down. narrows it down. Oh. None. <laughs> is it the, the hound? Maiden. It is not the hound. They don't interact at not, all. Not, yep. Gosh, no. I was going to say Quiburn before you said the crossbow bit, because he was the one that was there when Jamie yeah. wanted to turn around. I'll give you a hint that the name starts with an S. Mm. All right. Sansa. Uh, that would have been great, but uh, oh, um, I probably would have remembered that. Steel Shanks. Oh, oh gosh, okay. I wouldn't have gotten that. No. Okay, the episode "The Bear and the Maiden Fair" uh, was directed by Michelle McLaren, who was making her Game of Thrones debut and went on to uh, direct other episodes. She was better known for producing a popular AMC series and actually won back-to-back Emmys um, for the show. What was the show? Back-to-back Emmys. For a show on AMC. And she was one of the main producers. Uh, I'll guess Mad Men. 
It was not Mad Men. That's a great guess. Okay. Then Walking of, Dead. Think think alliteration. Um, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah. I was surprised mm-hmm. to learn that. So yeah. S- season four. In the first episode of season four, two swords. The sword that was used for the first beheading in the first episode of the series, which was again Ice. Ice, Ice. is melted down and made into two swords. Mm-hmm. Who are the initial recipients of the two swords? The I know. initial. Please go ahead. Joffrey. Mm-hmm. And he named his sword Widow's Whale. And then um, Brienne received uh, one called Oathkeeper. Brienne did not receive it directly. Receive. Oh, I guess Jamie, Jamie. got it. But yeah. then Jamie gave, gave it to it, Brienne. So. Okay. <laughs> well, and it, he renamed it Oathkeeper when he gave it to her, wasn't yeah. it? Or did she name it? Hmm, good question. Yeah. Hmm, I'll have to dive into that one. I'm disappointed that you don't know. (laughs) I know, me too. Um, And then the follow-up question was, what were the names of the two swords, which Ah, have been um, very good on Widow's Whale. Yeah, uh, (laughs) Joffrey. Joffrey and his swords. (laughs) By the way, um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Brienne eventually gets Old Keeper. Who eventually gets Widow's Whale in a show, at least? That's a great question. I don't think the show shows, do they? Apparently they do. They do. Somebody Hmm. gains um, I want to say Littlefinger. Maybe this is going to be surprising. It's Jamie. Jamie. It gets back into the hands of Jamie. Really? Okay. (laughs) Season five. The episode Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken gets its name from the motto of what house? Um, Martell. Very good. The follow-up question, that episode, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken, actually received an Emmy Award. Uh, However, what distinction does the episode also have from Rotten Tomatoes? The lowest rated. The lowest rated, yeah. And, um, And what was one of the... Reasons Sansa is, is right on yeah. wedding night. So yeah, and just a little trivial observation, you know, for the wonderful story that uh, HBO has given us, um, you know, that has been yep. something that some fans have been frustrated. I think with. all yeah. fans like yeah. th- there were so many people that dropped off watching it, um, mm-hmm. especially book readers were really angry. I think they were lured back. But um, yeah, that was definitely a a misstep by the uh, writers. Okay. I don't think it was out of character for Ramsey, though. No. Not, not out of character for Ramsey. Right. Yet, but uh, You were correct. Not something that everybody wanted to see. Right. Ne- right. Necessarily yeah. on. Uh, we, uh, you know, I think everybody could uh, imagine mm-hmm. the, the worst of what Ramsey was capable yeah. of doing. So, okay. Yeah. Season six. What is the, what is the title of the episode Book of the Stranger referring to or referencing? Book of the Stranger. Well, the Stranger is the death. He's one of the seven gods. Yeah, um, the death god. All right. So, Book of the Dead. Uh, very good. Yep. The holy text of the faith of the sevens, and it's one of the books. So, very good. Um, you kind of both got to point on <laughs> we'll it. Share. So, um, the follow-up question, besides a stranger, for one point each, uh, name the other six sections or books of the seven-pointed star. The books. Ooh. Yeah. 
or sections sec, well, sections of the uh, holy the, text. There's the mother, maiden, and the crone. Mother, maiden, and crone. Yep, that's the one, two, smith, three. The smith. The smith, very good. And the warrior. The stranger, the warrior. And that's all of them. Outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good. All right, and finally, season seven. In the episode, The Dragon and the Wolf, which is the last episode that we've seen, the last episode of uh, season seven, okay. uh, leading into the eighth and final season, and also the highest rated viewership in show history by a really? wide ma- margin, okay. 12 million regular uh, viewers. Uh, wow. And then when you threw in streaming mm-hmm. um, internationally, 16 million. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That yeah. is a lot of people. All right. Uh, So in that episode, what four characters come face-to-face with another character who murdered their father? Oh, Tyrion. Um, Correct. Tyrion is... Who is it that... um, Actually, there are two characters that come face-to-face. Jaime and Cersei. Cersei. Absolutely. Great. Okay. And... uh, Then... uh, Sansa and... No? Hmm. No. Oh, Littlefinger. Yeah. Um, but remember, this is who murdered their father directly. Oh, directly. And, oh, yeah. okay. Um, and, you know, that's a really good point. I should have thought about that. Littlefinger's um, involvement. But uh, this would be direct. Um, okay. Gosh. As in shooting somebody with a crossbow a while up there. Revealing oh, themselves. <laughs> so. Huh. Yeah. So you, you got Cersei and Jamie um, encountering Tyrion. So let's see. There's there's two others. Gosh, my memory it, of that the exact events in that episode oh, isn't. Danny comes up very against good. Jamie, very yeah. good, excellent. Um, um, good one. And who is the father? And then Jamie and Jon Snow. King. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, right? Jamie and Jon Snow. Nope. Well. There's, there's one other one, and you've actually mentioned this character. Uh, we've mentioned this character a couple times during the podcast today. Still Shanks. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Should I? Yes. Theon encounters Euron. Uh, oh, that's right. Murdered his father. That's, so, yeah. yeah, okay. All right. And with that, um, it was pretty close, but just slightly, um, Kelly, you <laughs> are I'm so proud. <laughs> Perhaps you can save a seat up there for Dana. She was okay. uh, just yeah. a point behind you. So. It's okay. I like comfortable seats. <laughs> yeah, it's an, uncom- <laughs> it's an uncomfortable chair. That's the point. All right. And that's it for trivia this week. All right. Well, that's great. I um, just wanted to add something. I was reading um, about worldwide uh, viewership, and they were talking in China, the government actually edits um, the sex and violence, but even more people download it illegally. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. And it's very popular in India as well. So, That's amazing just to think about people watching the same program. Mm-hmm. That also requires an expensive subscription. That's right. the other part of it. It's not a network thing right. that's right. available to a lot of people yeah. without a subscription. There, there are some good Shakespearean themes in the show that I think are universal. To, mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
Great. All right. right. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Great. All right. So um, next up is our Anything Goes recommendations. And who wants to start us off? I can start. Okay. So my recommendation is a quote that I came across. Um, I am not familiar with the person that gave the quote, Norm Kelly. He's a Canadian politician. Okay. But the quote is, some talk to you in their free time and some free their time to talk to you. (laughs) Cherish the latter. And um, that kind of struck me because rather than me thinking about people who free their time to talk to me, I kind of flipped it around, like, who am I actually taking time out of my life to, to make phone calls to, and is it the right people, Hmm. you know, so that was a... And who was that quote again? Norm Kelly, um, a Canadian politician. It was on his Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) He's someone uh, contemporary. Sure. Okay. I would assume so. (laughs) So you follow Canadian politicians Uh, on Twitter? No, I'm not on Twitter, but if I was, I might start following him. All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, Last weekend was the 20th annual uh, Wisconsin Film Festival, and I have attended 19 of them, and I know Mark has attended all of them, all 20. So, And I think it was uh, one of the best years ever. Um, I had three films that I gave a five to, uh, two documentaries, The Raft, which is about a group of 11 people, six women and five men, who in 1973 set sail from the Canary Islands to Mexico. Uh, They were part of a sociological experiment um, trying to answer the question of what makes humans violent. Um, It shows archival footage along with uh, survivors talking about their experiences and how it changed their lives or didn't change their lives. Um, But um, as you would expect, all the women are still alive and only one of the men survive. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. Um, the other documentary uh, was called Cold Case Hammerskold. Am I saying it right? <laughs> yeah, you're asking the wrong person. Yeah. The Danish filmmaker Mads Brugger uh, sets out to solve the mystery of a U.N. Secretary General, Dag Hammerskold, whose plane crashed in 1961 um, only to uncover more sinister crimes. Um, just, it's really fascinating. Um, the first 45 minutes are a little slow. I mean, it's building and there's a lot of information, but the last 45 minutes are just kind of blows your mind. It's just, it's really well done. And a lot of people were talking about it. You know, you stand in these long lines for a while and, you know, you hear what people are talking about. And I think that was one of the ones that people talk most about. And the last one I saw was the only feature film. Um, It's called Woman at War, and it takes place in present-day Iceland, and it's about a middle-aged eco-warrior. It's quirky, and the music placement is wonderful. And um, this is what Rob Thomas of the Capital Times had to say about it. Um, Woman at War is a lot of fun, but it also asks serious questions of our actions or inaction in the face of the looming global threat of climate change. How far would we go to save the planet, and what if that wasn't enough? And one of my favorite actresses, Jodie Foster, is set to star and direct, I believe, in the Hollywood version of that. So somehow I don't think it's going to be quite as quirky and funny as mm-hmm. the original. But she doesn't make very many films, and you know mm-hmm. when she does, I, I think she has something to say. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and these are all new releases, but um, we'll try to order them for our collection in the library. 
I can go ahead and go next. Um, so I'm kind of lost lately because I finished the show that I just finished watching, and you know how that can be sometimes. You don't <laughs> right. know what to do with yourself. Lonely, yes. So I wanted to recommend um, the Netflix show called The OA. Okay. Which has recently come out with its second season. There are two seasons. The first season was actually released in the end of 2016, so it took a while for them to release a second season. Um, I'd recommend it to anybody who likes weird things that what are. What does the OA stand for? I mean, what is it? Well, that would kind of ruin something, oh, okay. actually. Uh-huh. It's right. not revealed until probably episode seven, oh, okay. episode eight. All right. Something like that. Actually, I think it might be revealed in the last episode of the first season. Okay. Where that finally is made clear. Okay. So it's not for everybody. It's very weird. (laughs) It's often frustrating. You don't know what's going on. If you like things like Twin Peaks or if you liked Mr. Robot and you like that kind of mind-bendy genre, I think it's great for those kind of viewers. In a nutshell, what it's about is a woman that disappeared seven years ago and her family has not known where she was and then she kind of all of a sudden pops up back again and is taken back home Um, but the twist in the beginning of the series is that at the time of her disappearance she was blind and now she's not and so the series kind of goes through her describing where she has been what's happened to her Um, There's a lot of stuff about near-death experiences, multiple universes, and other realities. It's very weird, like I said. But I I think it's one of the most creative things I've ever seen. And it made me cry both the times that I watched the first season. And what is it streaming on? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd really recommend people give give that a shot and see if you like it. I don't think it's super well known, so... That's my two cents for the OA. Awesome. Right. Check it out. Thank you. And I'd just like to quickly recommend uh, two events uh, for a common theme. The Wisconsin Film Festival, if you haven't gone in the past, you've missed it this year, but um, I'd encourage you to do it uh, in the future. Um, you know, sure, you can watch these films at other times from the comfort of your home, but there's something a lot of fun standing in line talking to people about a film that they're yeah. going to see, or afterwards, um, you know, getting reactions from people and um, their impressions of the film and, you know, what it meant to them. And, and the other event, uh, which is starting up soon again, uh, hopefully with good weather, is the Dane County Farmers Market. It, you know, it seems like everybody in the world has gone to it. But if you haven't, uh, just give it a try some Saturday morning. And even if you're not going to buy anything, uh, just take a lap around. Make sure you right, walk the correct uh, direction. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, listen to people, um, you know, talk with people. Yeah. It's a great community support our event. Farmers. Yeah. And, yeah, um, supporting local food. And an great. additional plug for spicy cheese bread. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which Still sounds is. weird. But you have to try it. Yep. Good stuff. Well, thanks, everyone. It's been a fun podcast. The Overdue Podcast is a production of Madison College Libraries and the Student Achievement Centers.